today's today's words comes from Mark chapter 4 verses 1 to 20 Mark chapter 4 verses 1 to 20 Again he began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil, and when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of the riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it prove unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. This is the word of God. Uh, it's uh, well, that clock is wrong. I guess we, it hasn't been advanced to the daylight savings. It's past four thirty. How are you guys feeling? Um, <laughs> you know what I was thinking? I was thinking like, man, I already have less energy, and I'm the one preaching. And uh, so I have a friend of mine. Um, uh, you know, their church worships at four thirty. So by the time he gets to the preaching, it's like five o'clock. You know. Um, 
You know one of the things he said? He said, uh, you need uh, caffeine and sugar up your people before they come to service. <laughs> That's what he said. So um, let me ask you to do yourself and me, but especially yourself, a favor. If you're a coffee drinker, down, down some before service. Or if you're not a coffee drinker, take yourself like a 15-minute cat nap before service. All right, that's probably better. Okay, that's, uh, or um, and and um, and here, here, kids, this is your chance to ask your your parents to, to eat some candy, right? <laughs> before uh, service. Um, so we, so you know, sugar kind of helps your brain uh, to focus. Um, I'm just letting you know, I'm I'm gonna, you know, I have to get better. I, I realize I have to be a better preacher at four o'clock than I am at, you know, um, at 11 o'clock. It's just real. And you know what, I have to get tighter. I have to try to get tighter. How do you, you guys like that? <laughs> so I'm gonna try, all right? Um, let me give you a little intro, intro into this passage. It's a big passage, hugely important passage. And um, there's, there's a lot going on in this passage, and we're gonna spend three weeks and it actually deserves more than three weeks, but you know we'll spend three weeks, and this will kind of wrap us up in at least this portion of the incomparable. You know, we'll stop with the incomparable Jesus service, um, the series after these three weeks. Um, but let me give you a quick intro. Uh, what is a parable? So maybe you heard this when you were, um, uh, if you went to, you grew up in the church, you might have heard this definition. This is what I was taught when when I was a teenager. A parable is an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. It's an earthly reality that you and I have some familiarity with, although in this case, uh, you and I don't really have any familiarity with it because we're in Silicon Valley. We don't, we don't know how plants actually grow, but we're actually theoretically supposed to know something about because this is a very earthly reality. But inside this thing that we are supposed to have some experience with is that there's a, there's a secret. That's what Jesus calls the secret of the kingdom of God of something that's heavenly and of God. And the part, this particular subject matter of this parable is unbelievably important. It is about, will the word of God go into you and you will, you will be transformed and you'll be fruitful? That's, that's, the, that's, the, um, that's uh, the subject matter at hand. Now, uh, there is a, this, 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 uh, this is the one parable that Jesus flat out explains. So in some ways I feel a little sheepish. So like the pastor is going to tell you what the parable is, but then he's going to explain the explanation of Jesus. That's kind of really weird, right? Because um, you can all read the explanation of Jesus and you can understand what he means. But this is the, this is the extraordinary thing about this. I mean, this is the, ge- the genius of, of God, I guess, the genius of Jesus. Um, He'll tell you a, a meaning of, pa- of a passage, and yet even then there is still multiple layers and applications of this meaning. Um, that's, and so at least in this, I wanna, we're going to attack it at least at three. There's three um, layers that we're going to deal with. The first one is the most basic layer, which is um, the, the gospel, the, the, the seed, which is the gospel. Right? There's the word of God in general, and there's a lot of different words in the word of God about, about your marriage. There's a word about idolatry. There's a word about the sex, you know, about sexuality. There's a word about how you're supposed to think about government. There's lots of words. There's a word about, about, uh, about creation and about where history is going. Those are all various different kinds of words. But the most important word of the word of God is the gospel, right? And today, 
That's really what I want to be talking about. When we look at this passage, what we're thinking about is um, how people respond to the gospel. And then next week, I want to talk about just how do Christians respond to any truth that comes from the word. So if if you consider yourself a believer of Jesus, at somewhere along the line, you heard the gospel and you responded to to that word and you gave your life to Jesus. That's that's the majority of the people in this room. But um, throughout life, we also hear all kinds of other things from the word and it goes in one ear and out the other, (laughs) right? And um, that's what we're going to deal with next week. And then the week after that, I want to wrestle with that middle portion where it talks about the very nature of parables itself. It's actually kind of a scary portion of, of, of Jesus' teaching, and um, I, want, I want us to wrestle with that in um, you know, two weeks from now. Okay? So that's, that's my um, intro into this series. So let's get into today's message about responding to the gospel, which I've entitled Needing and Hearing God. So part one, hearing as churched versus unchurched. So I just want to get right at this bit at the beginning. Hearing the gospel as a churched person versus an unchurched person. And I want you to look at this passage, and how, it's, how it's unbelievably different. It's, a, it's really different if you didn't grow up in the church versus if you grew up in the church. Your, maybe your perception of this passage, right? Um, part two, fruitfulness and the question, who is saved versus not saved? I'll bet you a lot of you, when you read this passage, you're thinking, so, so which, who are the saved people in this passage? Okay, um, That's an important question, and I want to offer some answer to that. Okay? But that's actually not really the question of the passage. It's actually the question of fruitfulness, not who's saved, who's not saved. All right? And part three, uh, needing God desperately as newly born again, and as long-time stumbling believers, all right? I know it's a mouthful. Needing God desperately as newly born again and long-time stumbling believers, all right? So part one. Um, so let, let, let me just, keep, just let's, let's briefly review, because you don't need me to explain what Jesus explained. If you go to uh, verse 13, Jesus straight up gives you the explanation of the parable, which is an extraordinary thing because he does it in, in a lot of the other parables, right? And so there's a, there's a sower, he, sh- he shoots out four seeds, and they land in different places. And then basically what he's doing, he's giving you essentially a kind of spiritual sociology. You understand? Different kinds of people. And um, different kinds of people have a different response to the hearing, well, today of the gospel. And there's, there's, there's basically, there isn't like 50 responses. There isn't 40, you know, there's, there's four. According to Jesus, there's four basic responses. And there's one which is, they don't even get it. You know, the, it's like, it doesn't even land in soil. It just lands, and so like, you know, seed, a seed has to, so understand what the seed is. It's a word. And a seed, so let's just think a little bit more like, like farmers, someone like a gardener. A seed is something, I mean, I, I don't know, if, is it life or is it pre-life? <laughs> okay, But it's something that's supposed to lead to something that's alive, right? We all know that. I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't I mean, if you took fundamental biology, you never planted anything in your life. At least you know that a seed, that's what a seed basically does. 
And for the seed, for it to like life starts to happen, it has to land in a certain kind of environment. And that environment, according to Jesus, it's soil. I mean, that's what it is in real life. But here we're talking about people. The person is a certain kind of environment. And generally, the way people have talked about this, it's the heart. Now, in the Bible, the heart is not fundamentally your emotions. Okay, that's what we tell you. Your head is the place that you think, and your heart is the place that you feel. That's not really quite right. In the Bible, it, the head is the way, is the mind, is, it's not the head, it's the mind is the way you think and perceive the world. Hmm? That's the way you process the world. But your heart is the seat of your deepest loves and commitments. All right, so let me say that again. It's not just think and feel, but your mind is the place where you take in the world and you perceive and interpret the world. Your heart is your deepest loves and your commitments. And in the Bible, a whole person is all of it. A whole person must respond to the gospel. Your mind and your heart and your whole soul, which is like the all of you and your whole life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, all of it, okay? So the, the response is all of it. But the central power of who you are, it's in your heart. What you worship, what you love the most, what, where your deepest commitments are, it's your heart. So, you know, Bible, Bible teachers have said, what is the soil? The soil is your heart. What is your heart like when the gospel is presented to you as a person? You know, it's gonna, you're going to hear it in your ear. You're going to hear it present in your mind. But will the seed that's the gospel, when it goes into your heart, what environment is it going to deal with? And the first one, according to Jesus, is there's like no soil. <laughs> okay, there's like, it's just not even accepted at all. And the way Jesus accept, um, interprets that, the way he explains that, this is the reality. This is the heavenly reality which is actually happening right here is that well the devil comes along and then he just takes the seed away and like nothing happens i mean like there's just no maybe they don't even understand it <laughs> maybe um maybe they understand it but reject it or maybe it's just like whatever it seems irrelevant and it's just that's it so you know you guys all know that that's the common and if you're not a person who believes in jesus or considers yourself a follower of jesus that's, uh, maybe you've gone to church before and you already know that that has happened to you. But according to Jesus, when that, the, you've been to church before and you're like, what the heck is this? Whatever, right? You're, that's the first one. The other three are the ones that are, I think, like the ones that were much more east to you in the church. And if you ever grew up in church and you ever studied this Bible passage, you probably know, I don't think, at least with respect to the gospel, I'm not the first one. <laughs> I'm probably one of the next three. But the next two, are they have their problems. One is the soil is very, very thin. And so, and then the way Jesus explains this is, this is exciting. Uh, they're into, they, they, they want to receive this, this gospel, and then they, want, they go to it. But as soon as there's pressure and opposition from the world, I mean, and, and actually the, the word Jesus uses is even more difficult than that. Tribulation and persecution. So like, I don't know, in America, we're, we're, we're such, honestly, we're such cowards <laughs> um, that if somebody goes, you're a Christian, you're like, oh, but, but in other countries, if you admit like, you're a Christian, I mean, your, your, your life could literally be at stake, or prison could be at stake, or maybe your parents going to prison could be at stake. I mean, it's really incredibly dangerous. So Jesus doesn't just say, your friends won't like you, <laughs> okay? Uh, you won't be invited to that party. 
or your coworkers won't invite you out for a drink after work, but you could die. I mean, that's, that's what Jesus is saying. And then he says, well, as soon as that happens, then, then, okay, well, okay, we're not into the Jesus thing. Then the gospel doesn't sprout, right? The third possibility, and this is the one that I think every Silicon Valley Christian understands, right? Um, is there's too many other cares. And the, 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 here's, the, here's the exact literal words that he uses. Um, is the others are the ones sown among thorns, this is verse 18. They're those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word. This is, I think, this is the real problem in our, in our city, right? It's just Jesus is one thing among many. God's word, this gospel thing is one thing among many. And quite honestly, it's not, it doesn't seem that interesting. You know, what's on Netflix tonight is more interesting. Uh, how am I going to get that promotion next, next, you know, at the next, uh, at, you know, when, when they start doing reviews at the end of my company? That's what's interesting. How am I going to get into that great college so then I can make six figures and then buy, you know, my Tesla? That's interesting. <laughs> You know, and those are, these are the preoccupations of our city, right? And then, then there's that fourth one, the fourth one. And um, I want to just stop for a moment here. Uh, it says, this is, the, this is the, the soil is the right environment. And then the seed sprouts. And you guys all know the difference. You, have you guys ever, um, I mean, you guys at least theoretically all know this. Anybody ever try to plant it? Anyone here? Anyone ever garden? Like, just, you know, actually, I want you to raise your hand. Anyone ever here try to plant or grow anything? Raise your hand, please. Really? I'm impressed. So now I will stop disrespecting you as a bunch of like urban know-nothings like me. <laughs> All right? I'm a pretty much urban know-nothing, right? All that I know about like planting things is all like something I know out of a book, right? So I've never actually done any of this before. Um, so like, uh, but some of you actually have. And you guys know what this is like. You put your seed in various places and like, you put your seed over here, nothing happens over here. So you put your seed over here, and something sprouts, and then it dies, right? And then, um, and then, but there's something over here, and then this thing comes up, it grows, and something shoots out. You go, oh, it's exciting. <laughs> then it gets watered, and then it grows more. You forget to water, but it still grows. <laughs> That's the crazy part, right? It's like it's kind of like you throw it over here, nothing happens. You throw it over here, it grows up, and then it dies. You throw it over here, it grows, and then next thing you know, something else grows up out of it. It's called the weed. <laughs> and then, guess what? The weed grows, 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 and then your thing dies. That's what we're talking about. These are the three possibilities. And then the fourth one is, it's crazy. It grows. There could even be a couple of the little weeds, but it's like, it's not good enough competition. This thing just grows. It grows. You forget to water it. It still grows. And it grows. And the next thing you know, there's like, it's like sprouting, like you know, like I told you, I don't know any of this stuff. Like, it, like you know, spores and whatever starts like flying out of it. Um, what, what do they call it? The pistol and the stamen? Is that what it was called? You know, whatever. Uh, that action. And then, and then this is action happens. And then next thing you know, like fruits and next you have like lemons. <laughs> it's like our backyard, you know. Like, do you guys notice like every year my wife brings you free lemons? We, we don't water that that tree. It's just like, 
lemons. Like, we have to pick these lemons up and give it to you for free, otherwise we have rotting lemons in our backyard. And then, well, you, next thing you know, we'll have like four lemon trees, and then we won't know what to do with those four lemon trees, and then we'll have, we'll have a gazillion le lemons. Okay, that's, like, that's our backyard. According to Jesus, that's what he wants to happen to you. <laughs> that the gospel will go into you, and there'll be fruit that comes out of you. And when I was a kid, this is the way I understood the passage. Fruit meant you go ask somebody else to become a believer, and then they, become, they follow Jesus. And if you don't get anybody else to follow Jesus, man, you're unfruitful, and therefore you're like the bad, you're the bad soil. I was like, oh my goodness. I am terrible at asking other people, of telling other people about Jesus, so that I will be all, one of the, only one of the other crappy soils. <laughs> I always felt like, man, I'm going to be only one of the lame ones. And then, of course, you know, then he turned me into a pastor. That's crazy, I did, which I didn't want, okay? Um, but are, are you like that? Do you feel that way? Now, here's something I want to tell you. A seed is alive. Huh. A seed is alive. If it hits a certain soil, it can't be stopped. I mean, we, we don't water that, that tree in the back. It's like, I only want so many lemons, okay? We can't stop this thing. It cannot be stopped. There's an apple tree in the back, and it's super annoying to me because this thing just like, just crazy number of apples are flowing out. This tree is like shooting into like the back of our house, and I have to saw off this branch to prevent the apples from growing into, you know, into our bedroom. <laughs> if I didn't saw off that branch, the apples would be literally growing in my bedroom. And so, but this is God's desire for you, that something alive would come into you. Now, let me just stop it before I, I say something about this, okay? I want you to remember what we're talking about here. What is the gospel? The gospel is a word, it's a truth. But the truth, to receive it, is not just a set of ideas, it's a person. It's a person. It's a person. It's Jesus. The gospel is the real Jesus who has been crucified for you and has conquered death and sin for you. And so if you receive the gospel, you're receiving Jesus. What comes into your heart? I know when you're a kid, if you accept Jesus into your heart, I mean, that's like a, a child's way of explaining, would you believe in Jesus? But it's not untrue. It's totally real. If you believe in the gospel, you have invited the one who has conquered sin and death into your heart, into the central portion of your life. He's alive. <laughs> you think he's going to be stopped from doing stuff into your soil? He can't be stopped. He cannot be stopped. Some of you and me, we try to stop him. <laughs> we try to stop him. We're like, Jesus, don't touch the money. <laughs> don't touch the money. So then you know what he does? Then he makes like, you know, your, your uh, investments not work. <laughs> you know, you, you idolize money. I love money. I love money. It's all about money. So then, and then guess what? He goes like, okay, well, if you love money, then let's just like, you know, prevent you from getting money because you need to love me. And so some of you are like frustrated in your life because like God's not making your life work out. He's making your life work out great. <laughs> <laughs> because he's alive in you. He's just not making your life work out great according to you because he's trying to get you to this third soil. You get it? 
That's what he's doing. Now let's just stop for a moment. Here's the drama. You hear this message about how Jesus is the Son of God, came to live the life we should have lived, and, but died the death we deserve to die to give us a new life that we could never have earned. That's the gospel, right? If you believe in Jesus, or let's say you are, at least know you're supposed to believe in Jesus because you grew up in the church, how many times have you heard the gospel? How many times have you heard the gospel? If you go to a church like this, now our church, you know how many times we want to hear you to hear the gospel? A lot. A lot. In our church, on a given Sunday, okay, let's say Monday through Saturday, you live in like total pagan land. Let's say your, your family, your, your family's kind of lame, and so they never hear, you never hear the gospel even inside of your Christian family, okay? So Monday through Saturday, you don't hear the gospel. On Sunday in this church, we want you to have heard it oh, oh, at least four times before the preacher even showed up at the front. You heard it in the prayer. You heard it in like at least two of the songs. You heard it when we do the profession of faith. And then when the preacher shows up, he's going to give it to you again. So by the time you get out of the service, you heard it like five or six times. Just, just, just an average Sunday. And then the following week, again. And then and again. So in a given month, so let's let's, 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 let's say, let's say you're um, kind of a, a mediocre, C-minus kind of Christian. So you don't even make it to church every week. Okay? So you're like, I'll get to, you get to church like two times on a Sunday. You definitely believe you're in Jesus. So, but you're kind of like, yeah, yeah, wishy-washy, and you get to church two out of four Sundays. And out of those two out of four Sundays, one week you heard the gospel four times, and the next week you heard it six times. That month you heard it ten times. Following month, you get a little better. You go three out of four Sundays. You've heard it 16 times. So I'm, you know, you're hearing the math here? Every single time, this drama is happening. Every single time. Does the, the gospel land? And you're like, oh, yes, I need Jesus. And then somewhere in this, you're convicted about something of your deep need for Jesus. So each time, you're like, that's my Savior. I love him. I go to him. Oh, yes. All week long, I was in total performance mode. Oh, yes. It doesn't make sense. The first four times you hear it on Sunday, but then somehow it's like, maybe it's the Sunday we do the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper, that's even better. You hear the gospel six times, and then it's like the demonstrated for you with the bread and the wine, and you go, oh, okay, I need it. I need it. You come up, you're practically wanting to run up, and you're like, no more performance. And if it's all performance based on me, I stink anyway, so I come up. You get that once a month. So this drama is happening for you. So let me ask you this question. How many chances do you get so that the heart you bring up is not no soil, thin soil, thorny soil, or good soil? How many opportunities is your heart soil have a chance to be more receptive? A lot. A lot. There's a lot of opportunities. If we're really, really honest, the average Christian in San, in San Jose, Silicon Valley, you're a Christian. You're probably showing up with that weedy, thorny soil in your heart almost every week. I do. <laughs> I show up with that soil in my heart regularly. And one of the first things I'm walking in, I'm going, Jesus, can you please help this love for 
whatever, my comfort, to, so I can receive you. But let me, let me point this out. But if, you're not a, if you come from an unchurched background, so just think about this. Your neighbor, they grew up in India. Your neighbor grew up in, like, Syria. So they come to America. Maybe they're a devout Hindu, or maybe they're a cultural Muslim. It's like, I'm Muslim, but they're not really, really Muslim. Right? So they vaguely believe in God or gods. Have they, how many times have they heard about this message? There's one true God who came down to live the life we should live and suffered in our place. How many times have they heard that? In their whole life, they may have heard it zero times. Zero. If you're in America, you probably at least just accidentally heard it a couple times. Right? But especially in this city, people from another country, how many times have they heard it? They might have heard it zero times. So getting them to even just come to church, or maybe you're telling them, maybe you're telling them, you're their friend, you're their classmate, you're in college, you're their coworker, and someone goes, what do you believe? And this is your chance. You're like, whoa. So it's not even in church. It's over lunch. So they tell you, that, well, this is what I believe as a Muslim. They're like, what do you believe as a Christian? Here's your chance. And you tell them, this is the core thing we believe. We're all sinful. Nobody's good enough. I'm not good enough. That's not even a theory. You know how many things I've screwed up in my life? Let me tell you. But we believe there's a Savior who's offering this. That's maybe the first time they've ever heard it. First time they've ever heard it. And as soon as they hear it, this drama's locked. It's alive. <laughs> Let me say this to you now. This is really important. It's not up to you to get them to receive the gospel. It's not up to you. It's not your job. You cannot persuade or convince anybody to enter into the kingdom of God and believe in Jesus. You will never get anybody born again. You know what gets them born again? The gospel. You give them the seed and introduce them to what Jesus has done, and next thing you know, they're like sitting there going like, whatever, that's just weird. That's, they're the first one. They'll go, really? Really? And they get really excited. Can I come to church? They come to church. They're like, they want to believe in Jesus. But then, as soon as Ramadan shows up and their friends are like, dude, you can't believe in Jesus. Okay, and then next thing you know, they, they run away. They're, that's number two. <laughs> then, or they're like, oh, you know, like, sorry, I'm too busy. I, you know, got to make money, blah, blah, blah. That's number three. But you didn't do any of it. But you never know. This is the part I wanted you to understand. You do not know that when you're talking to this person, they could be number four. <laughs> you don't know. There are many people in the city, they come from like a Muslim-dominated society. They come to America, and they've already decided, Allah, that thing, that's not for me. But I want God. And you tell them salvation is by grace. And they're like, what? By grace? I barely even understand what you're talking about. And they're like, that's for me. And nothing is going to stop apples from falling out of their lives. You get what I'm saying? Except it won't be apples. It'll be love, joy, peace, forgiveness, repentance, radical generosity, Nothing could stop that from coming out of their heart. So this is one of the first things I want to share with you. 
This is going on all of a sudden. This drama is going on. But in the church, we're, we're, I, I, one of the first things I want to tell you is, if you're sitting here worried, oh my goodness, am I one of these like, let, let me just tell you, you probably are already. You're weedy, thorny soil. <laughs> okay, you, 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 don't, you don't, you know, the good likelihood you're, you're already in that place. Most of us are. Don't come into this place worried about which one am I. It's good to know which one we are, and then we can go into a place of repentance. But I want to just remind you that the most important word is the gospel. That's the most important seed. It's not up to you to convince anybody else. Just get them into a, a place where maybe you have a chance to share it. You don't even have to be good at sharing it. <laughs> you could stink at sharing it. You can like, oh, I believe in, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. They're like, really? What is that like? You're like, well, you want to come to church? <laughs> you didn't even share the gospel. <laughs> they're like, and then you're like, and you know what? They go say, sure. <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't think you would actually say yes. <laughs> And you bring them to church, and they're going to hear the gospel six times, because like you hear it six times on a given Sunday. There you go. It's not up to you. <laughs> now let's go to part two. Who is saved versus unsaved? One of the things I want to tell you is that's not really the question. But I, let me, I know that's on your mind, so let me give you an answer. Okay? There's kind of two basic interpretations to this text that I've heard from different theologians and pastors. Um, some say that only the fourth one are the saved ones and the other three are unsaved. Okay? Whoa, that one's tough. So they're like, oh my gosh, I think I'm number two. Because like I'm really chicken to tell people about, you know, if there's any opposition, I'll kind of like get really chicken. Or like I'm number three. Gosh, I'm constantly thinking about my career all the time and about my mortgage and about like getting my kids into like XYZ college. So I'm number three. So that's a tough one. You're like, gosh, if I'm not fruitful, you mean I'm not actually a real Christian? So some pastors have that view, okay? Um, some pastors have the second view, which is if you're in soil number two, three, or four, you're saved. Now, now, now let me just help you out here. I'm in, I'm in that camp, <laughs> right? I'm in, the, I'm in the second camp. I don't agree with that first camp. You know why? Because salvation is by grace. That's why. If I think, if, if it's only the first one, you're going to sit there thinking, Man, I've got to produce the fruits or I, I, I'm not going to make it. Now you're going to get into fear, not, not salvation by faith, but by fear. And then you're going to get a salvation by works, not by grace. Look, the Lord knows our hearts. If we go into our heart, you know what the most people's hearts are? How many people have good hearts? How many good have good soil? What percentage of good soil? We don't know. But it's probably a really small percentage. But now let me flip this around for you. You know what is a really good soil? This is really interesting. It's not how pure that soil is. It's not how pure that soil is. It's the person who knows their soil is terrible. That's the good soil. That's the really good soil. The real good soil is not the one that's like super pure. It's the one where the person knows their heart is terrible. Because that's what the gospel is. The gospel is, you're terrible. You're never going to make it. You have no hope. But there's a Savior that gives you all hope, 100% absolutely guaranteed hope, by grace. 
So let me say a couple, let me say a couple things about this. Um, your soil can change. <laughs> you know who changes it? Jesus. <laughs> if you're not, do not consider yourself a believer in Jesus and you're like, I don't know if I'm really interested in this. I guess I'm the first one. <laughs> But like, I think I would kind of like to be interested in Jesus, but I don't know if I can get myself to be interested in Jesus. You know what? Here's, I can say this to you, even though you're not a follower of Jesus, and I can say the same thing I would say to a believer who's like, Pastor, my heart is terrible. I'm, I'm always interested in the worldly things. I don't know how to get myself to really want to follow after the things of Jesus. You know what you could say? And this is also in the Bible. He who calls on the name of the Lord will be heard. You know, you ask this, Lord, can you make my heart more receptive, more desirous of you? I want to want you. I don't actually want you more, but I want to want you more. Would you help me? Would you give me the grace to want to want you? And you know what the answer for that prayer would be? Yes, Every single time. Every single time. Jesus paid with his blood so he could say yes every single time. So if you're afraid that you're not in that fourth category of a fruitful heart, ask the Lord to purify your heart. Make your heart receptive. And the first way you begin is the acknowledgement, um, I desperately need him. Um, and then just think about this with all your friends, right? With all your friends who don't know Jesus. Just be thinking how desperately they need Jesus. How they need this gospel. So it's not up to you. You don't have to be a perfect work. Maybe just pray to love them. Pray to care about their salvation. Just say, just to not be afraid to come out of the closet and actually be a Christian. You know, in our city, you got to come out of the closet, be a Christian, okay? And then let the Holy Spirit move in them. Now, let me close the message with this. I said, needing God desperately as newly born again and long-time stumbling believers. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says that the gospel is the power of God is the power of God for salvation. Not my obedience is the power of God. Me being a good Christian is the power of God. No, 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 no. It is the gospel, which is the power of God. Which is why we're always giving you the gospel again and again, so that you can receive power. Would you begin to believe the gospel is the power of God? Jesus is a living person, and when the truth about Jesus, which is the seed, the word, is given, then, and a person's heart opens to having Jesus come in, now the gospel is the power of God. Now, I want to tell you the story, and then let's close out this message, right? When I was in college, um, I was serious about my faith. There was, there was times I wanted to run away from Jesus, and I, I was very, very interested in my career and, and uh, you know, my major, and I was fixated on those things all the time. But... Um, but I wasn't ashamed to be a, a Christian. And all my friends knew I was a Christian. And um, I was afraid of being ashamed of being a Christian. So even though I was cowardly, I would 
say, I'm more afraid of being ashamed, so I will like put it out there. But um, you know, we had this kind of joint worship service of, of different you know, fellowships on college campus. I went to a highly secular campus. Being a Christian made you weird. They didn't, today it's much worse. A Christian, being a Christian doesn't make you weird. It, it, like in their mind, they're like, you, you are a bigot and a hater, aren't you? It makes you bad. Huh. Okay, when I was in college, you were just weird. <laughs> today, if you come out of the college, they, they, they see you as a deficient and a bad person. And I know, I get that. This is happening in high schools. You know, even my own kids are telling me, like, you know, like, I, like I'm a Christian, and then like some, they get rejected by friends. I know this is happening in high schools and junior high schools, and so I imagine in college it's even more intense. But the story was told by the, the, one of the preachers, and he was sharing the story. A guy was a senior in college. He grew up in church. He accepted Jesus as his savior when he was in high school. Went off to college. And, you know, he stayed with his roommates and his, and his group of friends. And as a senior in college, somehow it came out that he believed in Jesus. It kind of came out he believed in Jesus. Because, and the, you know, this was their reaction. His roommates were like, you're a Christian? <laughs> they were like, you're a Christian? Because they never saw him go to church on Sunday morning. He went to like a campus fellowship once a couple times in a quarter. I went to a school in a quarter system. So he'd go to like a campus worship a couple times. He would occasionally secretly read the Bible. (laughs) But, you know, he never went to church on Sunday morning. And as a senior, his roommates and his close friends found out he was a Christian. And they were like, you're a Christian? I would never have guessed you're a Christian. Now, they didn't say that in any kind of, like, uh, you know, condemning way. It was just like, it's kind of weird. You're a Christian. Okay, fine. You're still our friend. And then it just went on. But this thing just ate away at his heart, that that was the reaction of his close friends. So then he visited this pastor, this one guy that he had a relationship with, and this pastor was telling the story. He sat in the pastor's office and said, none of my friends, they couldn't believe I was a Christian. What does that say about me? I'm so not fruitful. Nobody can even tell I'm a Christian. And he asked the pastor, he asked the pastor am I saved? And he wept. He wept in that office. Am I even saved? What kind of a horrible Christian could I be? I'm all, everybody around me can't even tell I'm a Christian. And you know what the pastor did? He says, yeah, you're a Christian because you're crying in this room right now because you have a desperate need for forgiveness. It says here in this passage, they would hear and they would turn and receive forgiveness. So today, let me remind you, the first thing of being a Christian is you know you're terrible and you desperately need forgiveness from the one who atoned for you on the cross. So today, remember that. And tomorrow, let's go obey and repent. And let your friends know you believe in Jesus. Let's put some more feet to the obedience. Let's repent. Jesus lets you, he calls you to repentance again tomorrow. And then there'll be more fruit.
And that brother bowed his head and he wept. And the next day, he went out to follow. (laughs) That's what I want to say to you today. Today, let's remember forgiveness. You're forgiven for being not very fruitful. All of us are like, in one way or another, not very fruitful. But Jesus, he will not be stopped. (laughs) Ask him to be at the center of your heart again. And then all the lemons, it's better than lemons, the apples, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, will flow out of that forgiveness. And your friends can't help but figure out that you're a Christian because Jesus will be alive. Yes? Let's pray. Lord, forgive us. We believe in you, but the brokenness of our hearts, we often suppress you. Maybe we even deny you. Or at least we're afraid to come out of the closet and let people know we believe in Jesus. Maybe we're afraid to let people know we believe in Jesus because then we'll have to act like a good Christian and then we go into works righteousness, which isn't very Christian. (laughs) But all our brothers and sisters, we need to remember that you have saved us by grace and then you grow us by grace and fruit emerges from you, not from me. The fruit of the gospel comes from the living Savior. You are alive in us. It's not based on us. We just need to cling to you and desperately see that we need you. Take our steps of repentance. Even our obedience is bad so often. And even our obedience Half of it doesn't even seem like obedience because we're bad at obedience. But thank you that you are an unbelievable God of grace and that there's grace upon grace upon grace and there's forgiveness upon forgiveness. May we hear this message again and run to you. And would you put your spirit in our heart and would there be fruit from today to obey you some more and repent. And then may we have the, the boldness and the gladness to tell our friends, especially those who have never heard of you, because we're, it's, not, it's not about us. It's not our power. We're not going to convince them and you know, talk them into the kingdom. It'll be you. Help us to just have the gladness and freedom to introduce them to you. That's the gospel and live in the gladness of a great and mighty Savior who lives in my heart. And fruit cannot be stopped. So that today, it may seem impossible that we will be the kind of persons that have 30, 60, and 100-fold worth of fruit. But nothing is impossible with you. (laughs) Nothing is impossible with you, even in me, even in this old pathetic me. Help us to believe that. Thank you for this love and grace. In Jesus' name. Amen.